Well, I mentioned last week that over the next couple weeks, minus a couple holidays and a couple special events and special series throughout the year, uh, we're going to be looking at one passage for the entire year, and that is Psalm 23. And so each week, yeah, she doesn't even listen to what I say at all. She didn't hear a whole year at all. Look at that. There, but the, with the exception of a couple things that are happening in between or Anyways, so the whole year minus a couple special events. I'm just looking you in the eye, making sure you understand, communicating. Good. It wasn't sent in the email yet. No, well, I was going to send an email this week, but anyways, I didn't. Um, today, um, we're lucky that we have some things uh, put out on paper because uh, it was... Um, Definitely a different process of writing a sermon this week than usual, but uh, that's okay. You'll, uh, you'll be able to judge the quality of the message, and you'll go, he doesn't prepare very much at all. It's going to sound exactly the same as every other week, and so we know that every week he doesn't prepare much at all for this. We understand now. It's a joke. But uh, if you don't know Psalm 23, you probably have never been to a Christian funeral before in your life because it's, it's shared at almost every, not every, but almost every. It's a, it's a very common passage. And even some non-Christian funerals would share Psalms 23, I, I imagine, as, as, a, as a verse of comfort, which it is. Um, but at the end of the year, this is, this is my hope, this is my prayer, my plan, um, my, my assumption, of course, that it's God's plan and God's will for us that uh, we would continue to pursue his presence. Um, the idea of Psalm 23 is that the Lord is my shepherd. And the thing about shepherds, which we'll talk about in a couple weeks, is that shepherds never are, are never not with their sheep. Um, when we read about shepherds um, in um, the story of Jesus' birth, that is kind of the one exception where they do leave their sheep, but they run towards the ultimate sheep, the sacrificial lamb. And um, it's, a, it's an incredible thing about shepherds is that they are always in the presence of their sheep. And, and the sheep know their shepherd's voice. And my heart for us is that uh, we would continue to pursue the presence of God in every area of our life. Uh, that our church would, could always, in everything that we do, would pursue the presence of God. So whether we're worshiping together in this room or in another room or we're worshiping together, that uh, we would be in pursuit of the presence of God. Uh, when we are doing a ministry outside of these walls or a ministry to our youth or to our kids or PA day camp or, or VBS or if we're traveling, uh, if we're doing a, a feeding program or something, hot dog lunch, that uh, we would bring the presence of God with us and that God would meet us because God's already there. But he, we would bring the what we call the manifest presence of God. And manifest simply means the obvious, that God is obviously with that person, is obviously with North Shore Church. And uh, my prayer is that when you go to your workplace or your place of retirement, when you're watching the football game or the big game in a couple of weeks, Corey, that the presence of God would fill the room and... Um, and uh, as people come over for f football parties and those kinds of things, that people would know that as they walk into your home, that this is a home where the presence of God is. And it would be obvious, it would be evident that this is where I can find hope. This is where I can find peace. This is where I can find healing. This is where I can find provision because I'm in the presence of God. 
And as, uh, as we read through the psalm this, this morning, as we study the Psalm 23 this year, uh, we will soon learn, as, uh, as we know that David has written this psalm, likely after going through many trials, shortly after becoming king, he's looking back over his life, and even in his darkest hours, he goes, through it all, I was never alone. Through it all, I was in the presence of God. And, and I can say that this was not a good week. This is a tough week. This is a hard week. I did not like this week. I did not want to go through this week. I wouldn't want to go through it again if I could help it. But I'd rather do that than something else. And if, if, if you have, I have no desire to be sick, injured, or anything like that ever again. And I'm sure it will happen. But I know no, no matter what, God will be with me. And so my prayer, my hope is that as we read through the psalm, as we understand a little bit more, that we would just grow a hunger to know and desire the presence of God in our lives. At the end of the day, at the end of the year, we'll conclude by declaring that God has created us and he saved us so that we could be with him. He created us so that we would be in his presence. He saved us so that we could be in his presence. And so I believe that Jesus prayed a very powerful prayer when, he, when his disciples said, how should we pray? We, we read about, if you read in Matthew, they talk about all the different ways other religions and other priests and everyone else prayed. And then they said, Jesus, how should we pray? And then Jesus gives us the Lord's Prayer. And Jesus prays, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, And so we know that God desires that he would be with us. And so my hunger today is that we would be hungry for the presence of God. Last week, as we started this off, we talked about the very first word, the Lord, the Lord. Someone say the Lord. We talked about the holiness of God and the holiness and the, the awe and wonder of who God is. The name of God, the breath in our lungs that utters his name every time we take a breath. Um, but it is name that is so holy, it's not spoken because of our uncleanliness, then God makes us clean, and he makes us holy, and we feel worthy to come into his presence, and we utter his name as much as we can because there's no other name like the name of Jesus. We speak about how God is faithful in his deep love for us and has desire for us to have a personal, intimate relationship with him. That was last week. You can listen to that on our website or watch it again at thenorthshore.church slash uh, media, I think it'll be there. But uh, you can also find it on Facebook and YouTube because we stream there as long as it works on the stream. But as we go today, I'm going to read from the New Living Translation or the NLT Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day once again. Thank you for this opportunity, Lord, the freedom we have to gather, to hear from your word, to read your word. Thank you for our education, Lord, to have eyes and the ability to comprehend what is written and our ability to write and to share and to speak today. God, I pray your spirit would speak to us through your word, through this psalm. May it come alive inside of us once again here and now. I pray this in Jesus' name.
Amen. Now, I, I have written down here, um, to be in the manifest presence of God, you must know God. And, and so you would say, but anybody can walk into a church. Anybody can walk in, in and experience the presence of Jesus. Anyone can have an encounter. Um, and is there a difference? Jesus can appear to anybody that he wants to at a time. There's incredible stories, especially in some of the most persecuted nations of the world where people have visions and they have dreams of Jesus appearing and standing at their bedside and, and telling them all about him. And, and they have these incredible encounters with Jesus, and yet they don't necessarily know God. And so why on earth, Gary, would you say that to be in the presence of God, you have to know God? Well, let me explain what I mean, because I do believe that God wants us to know him. And I'm not just talking about know about, but he actually wants us to know him. I'm not talking about just being in someone's presence. Now, I remember as I was uh, reflecting and trying to come up with something. I remember a couple years ago, we were in Bible college. We did a pop culture and media class. It was quite fascinating, some of the things we talked about, and other things were not fascinating at all. Uh, I have never been into pop culture. I have never followed out what the coolest trends are. I've never been into the latest song, the coolest clothes, never cared much about any of that. Um, but I was in this pop culture and media class, and it's really fascinating stuff about uh, the influence of of, of media on culture and vice versa and, and so on and so forth. What shapes what? What came first? Chicken or egg? All of these conversations, really good to have. And one of the things we got to do early on, though, uh, was head downtown Toronto for the Toronto International Film Festival. And so if you've never been to the to TIFF, as they call it, as they call it, you know, in Toronto, um, so far away from here, of course, um, there is lots of... Um, uh, lots of hoopla for nothing, if you ask me. But uh, there's, there's people that make lots and lots of money because they're on TV and they're in movies. And people go crazy when they see those people. Uh, and they lay out these big fancy red carpets. They have all these photographers and, and media and paparazzi, all of these things. And people just go nuts. And we're standing in line to go see this, this, um, this film to analyze and do everything. And as we're standing in this line, it's wrapped all the way around the building waiting to get into this theater. The best part about that that movie I remember was it was one of the first like 4k movies and so the picture quality was amazing and side point but as we're standing in line to go see this 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 movie uh, we're kind of at a back door of another theater and all of a sudden this crowd like starts to get a little bit louder and we're standing right by this door and this door opens up and out walks Keanu Reeves <laughs> <laughs> thanks Rebecca that was good that's exactly the response of all these people. Everyone's going, it's Keanu Reeves. It's Keanu. And like, I'm like, who cares? It's the Matrix guy. Like, what a big, who cares? <laughs> and so, like, people are getting their pens out. They're getting their paper. And so all these people are like, I got Keanu Reeves' autograph. And even some of the classmates and stuff were like, I can't believe we met Keanu Reeves. We got to see him and, and all this and that. And, and, you know, you hear these fans. They go, you know, I've seen all of your movies. I love you. Anyways, you know, all of these what people do when they see famous people. It's wild. It's crazy. And so as, as, as we're doing this, you know, you, you realize this one moment, people have been waiting hours, and we just happen to be there, just like happenstance, just happen to be chilling, waiting in line. And uh, meanwhile, there's people that have been sitting by this back door for hours, waiting just to get a glimpse of Keanu Reeves. Like, he, he might look at you. He might sign your 
piece of paper. You might sign your hand or your arm. He might even brush up against you because you're standing awkwardly close to the door. Like, that doesn't mean you actually know Keanu Reeves. Big deal. I saw him in an alley at a back door. I saw a guy eating out of the dumpster, too. I don't know him. But we make this, this big deal, and, and people, you know, they go and they tell the story. We get back to school, and everyone's like, hey, yeah, we got to meet Keanu Reeves, and we got to see him, and he signed this piece of paper, and I had to borrow a pen from someone else because it was just like this crazy story. And at the end of the day, no one really cares. I mean, Rebecca seems to care that I saw Keanu Reeves. That's so cool, yeah. But, but at the end of the day, I don't actually know Keanu Reeves. If I walked up to him and said, hey, remember that one time when you were at the Toronto International Film Festival in the fall of 2013, and I was standing by the door in line, and you came out? Do you remember that, Keanu? He would have no clue. I don't know Keanu Reeves at all. He has no idea who I am. And this is the difference between having an encounter with the presence of God, walking into a church, having an experience, versus actually knowing God himself. In fact, we can walk into church multiple times a year, multiple times a day. We can have an encounter with people regularly and still not actually know God ourselves. And when we read Psalm 23, we see this, 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 the, the, the writings of a man who was walked so intimately and so closely in the presence of God. That he's so full of confidence. We could watch all of Keanu Reeves' movies, listen to all the podcasts and magazines and online forums about him, but unless we actually spend time with Keanu Reeves, I actually don't know anything. I don't know him at all. I just know all about him. And people see us, they might think that we're even a super fan, but even as a super fan, I don't actually know Keanu Reeves. I'm not actually a super fan, by the way. Just, I've never said Keanu Reeves so many times in my life, honestly, until this moment. In other words, though, if you want others to know you know God, I believe there has to be evidence in your life. And this is why we want to pursue the manifest presence of God this year by studying Psalm 23. What does it mean to walk so close with God that it's obvious, that it's absolutely obvious that God is with you? Manifest means clear or obvious to the eye or mind. I love the action uh, definition, the verb definition of manifest. It says to share a quality by one's acts or appearance, appearance or to demonstrate or be evidence of proof of. Wouldn't it be amazing to walk around town and people look at you and they would just look you in the eyes and say, Patrick, you're evidence that God exists. Can you imagine? As, as, as Patrick walks into people's houses or he stands outside in the freezing cold fixing the pole and people look up at him in his bucket truck and they go, it's obvious by the way he talks, by the way he, he sings, by the way, I don't know if you sing at work, by the way, I sing at work all the time. By the way he conducts his business, isn't it obvious that he knows God? All of you that work in the hospital taking care of patients, and I've heard these stories. This is what is such an amazing strength of what God is doing in our church. I've heard these stories from multiple people. I met so-and-so. They go to your church, and there's just so, there's something about them. There is just something about them. It's obvious. That's pretty cool. As a pastor, I just the best, this is the best calls, right? You get calls and say, hey, can you come visit or talk to so-and-so? And you do, and I, you know, I think this person goes to your church. They're just so lovely. This person goes to your church and they're not. No, I'm just kidding. They don't say that at all. <laughs> I, don't, I never get that at all. 
but to know God, to, to make it clear or obvious. And so this is, this is my prayer, is that everywhere we go, people want to know who we are, so we tell them. And rather than tell them, we show them. And rather than show them, we just are who we are, chosen by God, called by God, the children of God, acting like the children of God, talking like the children of God, singing like the children of God, behaving like the children of God. And it would be evidenced, proof of, that we know God. When we read Psalm 23, it's instantly recognizable that, that David is writing a personal and intimate poem and song about safety, ease, confidence, blessing, constant care. As I mentioned, he wrote it shortly after becoming king, which wasn't an easy road. And as he reflects back on his life and his journey, he's able to communicate this beautiful picture of what living in relationship with the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, with the God of the universe is actually like. It's a, it's a relationship of tranquility, never-ending peace, one of hope and joy. In the middle of adversity, in the middle of solitude, in the middle of chaos, he shares his close, intimate, personal relationship with us, the reader. And I don't believe he's writing it down even for our benefit. He's just writing it down because this is David. He's an artist. He's, just, he's expressing everything that he is. He's just saying, this is, this is my experience, this is who I am, this is what I'm doing. And let me write this beautiful poem as an expression of my knowledge, of expression of me knowing God. And we have the benefit of being the reader thousands of years later and experiencing what David experienced. And we get to benefit from it. We know that David was destined to become king of Israel because of his faithfulness in watching over the sheep. And David knew sheep. He knew the sheep inside and out. He knew everything there was to know about sheep. He knew what they ate. They knew how they slept. They knew where they liked to walk. They knew where they shouldn't go. He knew what their enemies were. And he knew how to fight their enemies. He knew how to protect them. And he knew how to care for his sheep. And his sheep knew how to trust him. And David not only knew his sheep, but David knew the Lord. And the Lord, as he talks about in a few weeks as we talk about the shepherd, we know that. The shepherd knows the sheep. And so the shepherd knew what David needed. The shepherd knew when David needed to rest. And he knew when David needed to fight. And he gave David the resources to fight when he needed to fight. The Lord knows us as our shepherd. But today we're talking about me. Or you, actually. But me. Someone say me. me. Now everybody say me. If you're online, type in the comments, me. Who <laughs> said that? Let's see who's going to do it today. No one yet. Okay. Online is tuned out. They got, the, they got a football game on or something. Not till one. <laughs> Not till one. So I have an hour is what you're saying? Now, I think it's important that... As we, as we mentioned last week, the Lord does not say, or that David does not say, the Lord God, Yahweh himself, is a shepherd. Um, the word ah versus my, I think, is important. David's not giving a lecture. He's not telling a story. He's expressing his relationship. He's not just saying, and the Lord, God, or Yahweh, is a shepherd. And this is everything you need to know. He's not trying to fill our heads with, in, with information. 
And even even though he knows someone's going to read his writing, he's not trying to share information. He's sharing an experience. He's sharing a story. He's sharing something that's very real and tangible, a very personal, intimate love song about his relationship with Yahweh, the king of the world. And he doesn't keep it to himself because we know that not many people could write. And so he wrote it down, which means the few people are going to read it and they're going to share it. And he shares this very personal story and experience that he's had with God. And this is where I think I say my today, because we're talking about the Lord as my shepherd. We're not talking about the Lord, we're not talking about the shepherd, we're going to talk about me and you today. Who is the Lord to you? Who is the Lord to you? We're going to talk about your personal relationship with Jesus. Because there's a difference between a personal relationship and having private faith. And we don't want to confuse the two. There's personal relationship, and then there's private faith. And one of these things is what we want. One of them is one that we we don't want. Our relationship with Jesus is very incredibly personal. Nobody can make the decision for you to follow Jesus. Only you can decide to follow Jesus. I could drag my kids to church every single Sunday, and sometimes I do, kicking and screaming some weeks. Get in the car! Get in the car! Get in the car! Walk then! That's how I sound sometimes. I can do that if I want. doesn't mean they love Jesus. I can, I can pray for them. I trust that God's going to answer that prayer. But they're going to have to decide to follow Jesus. I could get a bus, and I could kidnap people, and I could bring them here on a Sunday morning. Buses are expensive. We'll just get a white van. How does that sound? We'll just white van rendition them here, okay? We'll get them here, and we'll... It would be great. We'll fill the room up with people. doesn't mean they love Jesus. People could come because they can come to church because, you know, that's just what they've always done. doesn't mean you love Jesus because following Jesus is a personal decision. Only you can decide. There are not too many children that get to choose their parents. I don't think any child gets to choose their parent, with the exception of of maybe an older child that's about to be adopted. They don't usually get to choose their parents, and yet we have the ability to choose God and make him our heavenly father. I mean, he is the king of kings, the Lord of lords, whether we choose to believe it or not. He will always be the Lord, whether we choose to accept that or not. Our belief is not going to change his position, because he's God and, and we're not. But my belief and my option is I get to choose that God would be my heavenly father. But God's already chosen you, whether you make the personal decision to choose him or not. God has chosen you, whether you choose to choose him or not. The decision solely relies on yourself. Mom and dad can't make it for you. Husband and wife, spouse can't make the decision for only. Only you can decide if you want to be in a relationship with God or not. Do you know how hard it is to be in a relationship with someone who doesn't want to be in a relationship with you? Anyone been to high school before? (laughs) It is impossible to be in a relationship with somebody that doesn't want to be in a relationship with you. You might be together, but you're not in a relationship. If you're in high school and you're watching today, pay attention because you may be with someone, but they might not be with you, if you know what I'm saying. That's not a relationship. 
You can fake it if you want to, but if there's no mutual love there, it's not a relationship. Believe it or not, this is how our Heavenly Father actually feels about so many people in our world today. Because he's chosen all of us. Every single living, breathing human being, everyone that's ever taken a breath, even, then, even everyone that has never had the chance to take a breath, God has chosen them. But not everybody has chosen him. Imagine how he feels being in this non-relationship relationship. Every single person has been chosen by God to be a part of his family, to take part in the inheritance that God gives us. I'm sorry to our live stream people. It seems to have died again. I'm sorry. Time's up. Hopefully you got something out of that. Oh, well. It's being recorded. We'll post it later. That's where we're at. That's what happens. But yet, even though God has been rejected by us time and time again, he shows up and refuses. Even when God shows up and people refuse to believe he exists, he still calls and chooses them anyway. He makes peace even though as humans we make war. He provides for the widow, the orphan, the poor, even though we come steal, kill, and destroy just like the enemy does. But God never gives up. God never stops pursuing us. Even when we choose not to pursue him, he keeps bringing us and inviting us into a deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper relationship into his being. And as we take a step of faith and as we begin to follow him and as we begin a relationship with God and we choose to be chosen by God and we choose God ourselves, he takes us deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper as far as we are willing to go. No matter what the circumstance is, no matter what's going on around us, our relationship with God, nothing can ever stand in the way. No circumstance, no foreign power, no, no domestic power, no family power can ever come between you and the love of God when you choose to serve and follow him. The more time we spend in his presence, the more we know his heart, the more he empowers us to, fill, to fulfill his mission. Now, David wasn't a successful king because of who David was because of what David did. He was a successful king, the longest serving king because of his relationship with the father. We know that David was a mighty leader, a mighty warrior, a great shepherd, a great leader, but he was also very much a failure as a man. He was a failure as a leader and he was a failure as a father. He was a failure as a husband. And every time he had a failure, it was the time he chose to step back from his relationship with God. Every time he stepped out of the presence of God and ignored the existence of God and went for the desires of his flesh, we know that that's the moments that he failed. Our faith may be personal, but it is never done in private. David, every time David did something in private, it was always out of the presence of God. And it was always for his own selfish ambition and benefit. Our faith is not meant to be private. Yes, it's personal, but it's not meant to be private. The decisions we might make to follow God might be in private. We might have, and don't, don't hear me on this to say that you shouldn't have private alone time with the Father. You absolutely should. I think it's critical. But our faith is not lived out in private exclusively. Our faith is not lived out in private Exclusively, we can't have a public relationship. Here's what I here's what I wrote down, and maybe it'll resonate with you. We can't have a public relationship with Jesus without private time in prayer and presence. But we can't have private, intimate times with the Father unless we have public and communal interaction in public. 
We can't have the private relationship. We can't have the public relationship without the private one. We can't have the private one without the public. And here's, here's what I mean. If we aren't living out our faith in the public, we have nothing to pray about in the private. <laughs> right? And if we're always in the public, we have no time to pray in private for the things that happen in public. It's a little bit of a shallow explanation, but the, the fact is, is that, we're, that we're getting to here is that the presence of God isn't just for ourselves. We may have a personal relationship, but it's still not exclusively for our benefit. Because as I mentioned, there are thousands of people, millions of people. There are people who have never even heard the existence of God, the existence of Jesus before. And while God, through his supernatural power and through his Holy Spirit, can reach people that are, have been unreached, he is mandated, he's calling, he has chosen us to share the love, the good news, the gospel message to the world around us. Our private faith actually goes deeper when we serve him in public. Um, the other thing that I, I wanted to mention when we, when we talk about my relationship, and this is something that uh, I've heard probably most of my life, and it's something that we need to be aware of and careful because it's so easy for us as we talk about Jesus, as we maybe we're going to write our own psalm one day and we're going to walk through uh, downtown Scriber or we're going to climb the, 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 the hill in Rossport with a microphone or get in a boat and talk to people or something. Or we're going we're gonna to run through Terrace Bay and we're going to write our own psalm about how amazing God is. And someone's going to look and they're going to say, I'm, that's good for you. That's good for you, Elizabeth. I see you at the hospital, Elizabeth. That's good for you. I'm glad that you are a Christian. I'm glad that works for you. And you might go, you might talk about your personal relationship with Jesus, and, and someone will look at you and say, that's really good for you. And I don't know if you've ever heard this expression, that is good for you. Or I don't know about you, but for me, maybe you've heard that expression. Maybe you've used that expression because culture says it, all the time, but I believe this that faith is not relative to our experience. Faith is not our, our, our faith is not relative to us, rather. The presence of God is not relative to us. The presence of God is relative to God. And our experience may be personal, but our experience isn't exclusively for us. The presence of God isn't exclusively for us. And so I believe that God is for all people. Jesus even said that he was for all people. David may have said, the Lord is my shepherd. But even as he declares, the Lord is my shepherd, there's still an invitation there that the Lord could be your shepherd too. And not because of my experience. Although my experience may inspire someone else's story. It may inspire them to follow Jesus. It may inspire them to move forward in their faith. But their experience is not related or not required or dependent upon your experience. Just because it was good for you doesn't mean it was good for them. My wife takes vitamins because she's a woman. I should not take those vitamins because I am not a woman. I don't know if you noticed. There are things that are good for her that are not good for me. There are things that I should take that don't, that she shouldn't take and doesn't, because that's wise. There are, there are things that are different based on our personal experience, but the, the, the fact is, is that our faith is not relative to us. 
The other careful consideration we should make about our personal Jesus is if we keep our faith private, is that we remove ourselves from communion with other people. And I don't know about you, but every time someone removes themselves from a community of believers, that's when their faith gets a little bit weird. And every weird Christian I meet, and I through conversation, you learn, oh, you know, I used to go to church, but don't go to church, and the crazy kind of sets in, in, in there. And you learn they really don't have a personal relationship with Jesus at all anymore. They have what they think is a relationship with Jesus, but they have a relationship with crazy. And 90% of those people aren't involved in a church, in a local church, because they don't have any friends and coming alongside them telling them that they're crazy. Trust me, apart from the community of God, I got some pretty crazy ideas. It's the reality. I got some pretty crazy interpretations. It's why we have good resources, good scholars that we go to. It's why we use good resources when we interpret the Bible. We don't just make up. I don't, I, when I get up here on Sunday morning, I don't just write down what I think, by the way. I process through different scholars. I read different background. I read different information. I read from multiple sources and come to conclusions. And I learn through it all. And I share what I learn. And I share personal experiences, yes. But it all comes through, it all, gets, it all gets measured and compared. And if we don't have anyone to measure or compare notes with or study the Bible with or, or work through these things, we get a little bit crazy. And 90% of those people end up leaving the church because the church is way out there and they're, you know, they're the holy one of God, the prophet that has come to save humanity. But Jesus already did that, sorry. The other 10%, I pray really hard for their pastor because they're still in church. But yet their faith is so personal and private, they never engage. They, just, they, just, they think they always have a word from God, but it's just a word from their gut. And there's a difference. And so we have to be cautious about our personal relationship or our private relationship. But the decision, the, the experience with God may be very personal, but we experience it in community. The Lord is our king whether we like it or not, but it's up to us if we want him to be our shepherd. That's what it comes down to at the end of the day. I think I started out with that. The Lord is our king whether we like it or not, but it's up to us if we want him to be our shepherd. The decision is always going to be yours to make. I can, I can, I can lure people to church as much as I want to. I can, I can even tell them they're going to heaven and make them happy so they hear what they want to hear. But that doesn't mean that they've chosen Jesus to be the good shepherd in their lives. The decision of mine is personal, but I have the responsibility knowing that if the Lord is my shepherd, I have the responsibility not to keep it to myself. So, the Lord is my shepherd, and I have the responsibility not to keep him to myself. I love... uh, Oh, that was last week's notes. Never mind. I still love the verse, choose you this day, he will serve, but from emails, we will serve the Lord. That was, that was for last week that I didn't share. But uh, as we close today, Elizabeth's going to share a song as we end off uh, the service.